This is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Honey Badger. When you need your code to be reliable, Honey Badger helps with uptime monitoring and contextualized error messages to save you time and money. Get started on Honey Badger today and get a 30% discount by mentioning ChaosCast when you sign up at honeybadger.io. On the panel today, we have Sean Goggins. Hello, I'm Sean Goggins. I work with the Chaos Project, and I'm a professor of computer science at the University of Missouri. Daniel Esquerdo. Hey, this is Daniel. How are you? Working in Chaos for a long time and in a short comment. And myself, Georg Blank. Hi, everyone. Georg here. I'm co-founder of the Chaos Project. I'm the director of sales at Returgia. And I'm super excited to have a special guest on today. Antonio Nardella. Antonio, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me to this Chaos podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm Antonio Nardella. I am from Italy. Actually, I'm the community manager at the IOTA Foundation, a nonprofit foundation in Germany, uh, registered and regulated in Germany, in Berlin. And yeah, I'm now in the IT space for about 20 years. And this is my second year of being a community manager. So it's really interesting position and really awesome to being able to work with the chaos metrics and to understand how to measure the IOTA community's health with those metrics. So I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm actually German. And so my heart just warms up when I talk to someone who is working <laughs> for a German the company. So yeah, how did you get to IOTA and to be their committee manager? What was your journey like? All right. Well, IOTA is a communication protocol and this communication protocol also has a value transport or value exchange possibility. So it comes a little bit from the distributed ledger technologies or blockchains. And I was interested and in, in a project called Bitcoin. I think this is, it's, it's known, let's say, in, in the IT space. We've and heard of it. I think, <laughs> so, yeah, I think yeah, Bitcoin is some, known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> And so researching all these projects, I got to know about IOTA and I discovered that one of their co-founders is from South Tyrol, so from the same region I'm from. So he speaks also German like I do. And I started to investigate their project, try to understand how it works, how the tech works. And I built some proof of concepts with, with that technology. And then I started being a community member. I started lurking around. I started talking with people. I became a member of another, let's say, initiative, community initiative called the IOTA Evangelist Network, where people were organizing meetups and stuff like that. So I started 
the meetups here in my city. I participated to one of their contests and became one of the 10 winners of this contest. And when at a certain point they put out the job description and they were looking for a community manager, well, I risked it. And I said, all right, I'm part of the community. People already know me. Let's see if I get the possibility to work at IOTA. And so here I am. And now I started my second year there as community manager. That's a really great open source story from just working in the open source community and wanting to learn and help to then actually getting a job to do work in open source. That, that's a really powerful story. How important do you think winning the contest was to you getting the job as a community manager? What, what kind of contest was it? The contest was called the Perfect Brainstorm. So they were looking for any kind of project that was using their technology. So you had one that was tracking the whole documentation in ports, so the shipping and that stuff. And they were one of the three winners of the contest. But I'd say that winning the contest was not key to become or to get a position in there. But probably, of course, having a big part of the community knowing me already and already engaging with me because I was trying to solve their problems, support them. I'm one of the three administrators of the IOTA Italia channel on Telegram. So I was all over the place. I hold a guest lecture at the university here in Bolzano. So of course, you build, let's say, your reputation or your portfolio around the project. And that helps in a sense that people already know you or that they trust your interest in the project itself but it does not assure you that you'll get hired. Uh, right, right. Because you need some skills and just being there or being loud enough that other people know you is not enough in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, c community manager involves, I imagine, some different skills beyond the, your technical understanding of IOTA. Yeah, Indeed. maybe Antonio, you can elaborate a bit more on skills you think you need to uh, manager. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, where, where can I start? I think it started all when my wife asked me if I could not get paid to talk to people on Telegram. <laughs> she was like, you're, you're <laughs> getting paid to talk to people. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, you're, you're on the channels all the time. You argue with people. You try to explain the technology. You, you, you fight with their knowledge and with their understanding. And you try to let them grow with the technology and understand how it works. And that's one part of being a member of the community, but becoming a manager is completely other thing. One part is being a person where people have trust in what you say and uh, how you engage with them, because of course you're representing at in that point the foundation itself. So you need a certain uh, sensibility and sensitivity when you're talking about specific themes. And on the other hand, you need an analytical mind. You need some really strong empathy because you are engaging with people where maybe English is not their first language. So you have to figure out what they are trying to say when they ask maybe a really critical question and organizing skills. But I think that's valid for every job out there. <laughs> and the will to be a community member yourself and try to understand what you can do to add value for them. So 
I tried to put myself in the shoes of different community members. Maybe it's a developer, maybe it's a curious person, maybe it's a, a futurist that just wants to understand how Yota will be crucial in the next 30 years in their, in their business model and try to understand what strategies you can implement to enhance and add value to their experience actually with your technology. I think this is really what I'm trying to do and I hope it works out and it adds, let's say, really, and it becomes really interesting for, for other community members to join and to be with us. Mm-hmm. So, so then Yota is, una, is, is a community of individuals, but then there is a layer, let's say, of corporations around, right? So there is commercial interest in the product. Yes. Let's say that the um, project itself, so the, um, the protocol itself is open source, permissionless, fee-less, so you can use it without even getting in touch with us. We're trying to build a industrial communication standard. So we are in the works with object management group to get it standardized or get it as an industrial standard. We have companies like ST Microelectronics that came to us and told us, look, we have our microcontrollers and we build a library that can use IOTA. And for the, let's say, more enterprise edition of the Tangle or of the IOTA technology, we have some working groups under the Eclipse Foundation. So the, the community itself is really diverse. So we have common participants that are maybe just interested in, in the news and in, in what's going on with the project itself, what are the updates and uh, what's going on and stuff like that. And then we have builders, so people that want to try out new stuff and want to build, I don't know, some IoT home automation stuff and want to figure out if IOTA fits their needs and if it works. And then, of course, we have startups that are using the technology and big corporations that are actually experimenting with it and building proof of concepts. And for this and next year, we're looking into building test beds with them. So it's a really uh, diverse community. And we have really different uh, paths for people to, to join and, and to engage with us. And we are trying to figure out what's the best way for them to get in touch with us and to really feel empowered to use the technology without always having to get back to us and then to get our support. So, so really diverse. Yes, That sounds like a really, really diverse, lots of tentacles, lots of organizations and individuals. How do you approach your role as a community manager in that context? I try to be the interface. So I'm uh, available on different channels from the Turkish Telegram group to the German group to WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups. I'm all over the place. And I try to be in touch with the independent administrator of these groups. So I'm not managing them, but I'm, uh, I try to support them in when they have needs. So if there is some unclear information, we just open source, the new part of the project, and people are curious about it, and the administrators do not know how to go further. We have a private group with all the admins where we share information, and I try to help them keep the community knowledge at a certain level. So I, actually, people ask me really often if I sleep at all, because <laughs> I am really available uh, at all times, almost uh, every day. and. It's really, I feel like an interface. So people from every, every part of the community, they have the possibility to get in touch with me personally. And then I either 
support them or connect them with our more experienced community members or with IIF members, so IOTA Foundation members, to get things going. For my role right now, the last thing, the last project we started was called the IOTA Experience Teams Initiatives, where we are empowering the most active community members into specific working groups and are where we are building the new projects and uh, new parts of our projects with the community members so they can already get into the projects in, in early alpha stages and talk to our developers and researchers and bring their expertise into it to make it a seamless experience for the people that can come after them. And this is one initiative where we started to uh, really need metrics to understand how these strategies work out, how the uh, people feel working with us. And this is one initiative where I say, okay, here I'm more of a manager and less of a community member, per se. So that's a good point, metrics. And we are in chaos. So maybe from my understanding of what you are saying is that you are kind of using perhaps quantitative metrics from the, in the sense of extracting metrics from the development process of the community and so on. But are you using other types of metrics, perhaps more related to surveying the community or interviewing specific people? Absolutely. Of course, we have around 300,000 community members if we look at all the platforms. So it's rather impossible to interview everyone, but I have some initiatives where I have like uh, 30 minute slots where people can just come to talk to me. And it's not an interview per se, but it's an initiative where people can feel free to talk to someone and try to get more information and where we talk and have this kind of interview. I try to put some specific questions out there to understand if, for example, our getting started page works well, or if the documentation for works well. And there is where I do more qualitative work. Then, of course, we do survey our partner companies, and I then take those specific questions and I tailor them for our community members. And what I did there, for example, is I divided the... I think it was a 10-page survey in a category or in technology-specific surveys so that it was an experiment to see if I could get more responses. So one was specific, for example, about the libraries that we use and the languages that we use to interact with our technology. One was about our network nodes software. So I really tried to get as much information as possible from the community in a more qualitative way. And people had also open questions that we evaluated. And those we do for a specific strategic interest and growth for our project. And then, of course, as you say, we have the quantitative metrics where we extract data from different platforms using Grimoire Lab, for example. Um, just curious, as uh, one of the participants in, in Grimoire Lab and developers and so on, where did you hear about Grimoire Lab? I did actually a Google search. (laughs) So I was actually looking for an open source tool to find open source metrics. Wait, let me see if I can find my question because I was really looking 
yeah, for open source community metrics and open source community metrics tools. And there was uh, an article by the Linux Foundation. I think the title is Measuring Your Open Source Program's Success. And there is a screenshot, I think, of Grimoire Lab and a link to it, if I remember it correctly. And so from there, I worked all my way back. And, and first I found Grimoire Lab. Then I just tried to install it with Docker because that was my first thing to try it out. And then I discovered the Chaos Community Metrics. And then uh, yeah, a whole new world opened in front of my eyes. Like it happens in IT in general when you discover new things. And yeah, then I installed it in my personal VPS, uh, played around with it. And so, yeah, actually from a Google search about, yeah, you know, I, I tried to work with open source tools as much as possible. I, the first thing I did as a community manager was to set up a Grafana dashboard where I'm scraping data from YouTube and Reddit to get the subscribers and stuff like that. And also in Telegram groups to understand how many people we have there. But that was just the beginning. It was, yeah, the typical numbers that you want to have is the number of subscribers. But once you want to do more and you understand that numbers are not enough, you, you, you start looking. And so there is where I started with searching Google and discovering Grimoire Lab and the Chaos Community and the metrics. Thank you for joining. Um, thank you. You're very welcome to, to be around, of course, to join any of the discussions. You have much. 300,000 community members. As a community manager, how many projects, communities, repositories are you trying to keep track of? Oh my God. I don't have the numbers in my head and it's impossible for me to do that. More than a thousand? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not more than a thousand. But a few I mean, hundred. Let me, yeah. let, let me just open Grimoire Lab and I can tell you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So I'm talking about 76 repositories, 117 authors, and 8,000 commits in the time span of one year. So the project is, has started in 2015, and these are the last year's stats. And it's quite an uh, active community. And if I look at the last five years, I have 150 repositories and 639 authors. So yeah, it's, it's huge. <laughs> of course, I have to say that the IOSA Foundation has around 100 members. But when I say 100 members, we speak also about administrative administration, administration members. So from finance to HR, community member, um, managers like me and, and others. And so researchers, so the, I'd say that the committers of the IOTA Foundation are around, in the last five years, I have 57 authors. So the 75 authors, those are just the IOTA members. And yes. then you have other authors that are not part of the foundation. Correct, yes. And I have to say that in my dashboard, I have, of course, our GitHub repository. So everything that's under our uh, foundation. But I also have uh, a GitHub repository company called IOTA-Community, where community members have the possibility to add their uh, projects. And of course, I take, let's say, they are also counted in, in, our, in our statistics. 
So one of the things I know a lot of our users are struggling with is the affiliations and identifying who is a member, who is part of our organization, who is part of other organizations. Can you talk a little bit more about your approach to identifying who is who in your community? Yeah. Well, for me, it was crucial, of course, first and foremost, to identify the Yota Foundation members so I could filter them out, actually, because they do their work. So their metrics are important to their team leaders, but it's not something that I want to measure. For me, it was important to filter them out to understand how large and how big our open source contributors are that contribute in their free time. Because we do not have bounties, we do not have funding for open source members per se. We have an ecosystem development fund project, but it's not uh, their, their repositories are not in my dashboard. So again, for me, it was really important to figure out who was in the foundation to eliminate them from my statistics. And that made everything actually more impressive because... If I look at the last five years, so from when the project started, it was 2015, I have 500 authors that are not IOTA Foundation members. And for me, that is pretty impressive. That's Uh, very, very impressive. Of course, I have to say the IOTA protocol is a data transfer protocol that also makes it possible to transfer value. So we fall under the category of cryptocurrencies. And if people, let's say, hold the tokens, this cryptocurrency, it is an intrinsic motivator to build on this technology and to bring it to the outside and make other people work with it because it, it is a monetary incentive because you say, okay, if more people know about it, more people might use it and the value of the token might grow. It might be a, a little of a short side uh, or short-term motivator, but I'd say that that was a really important factor to have an exponential growth of community members. But that's my feeling or how I interpret the data that I have. Sounds like supply and demand trying to play that game. Exactly. Let's face it, your code is going to have errors. Even code written by an amazing developer such as yourself. When bad things happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron monitoring into a single, easy to use platform, saving you time and cash. Honey Badger monitors and sends error alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding in your code, so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also let you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go AWOL or silently fail. Go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution. Why is this important? Self-funding means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. As a ChaosCast listener, get 30% off for 6 months. Simply mention ChaosCast when you sign up and they'll apply the discount to your account. No credit card required. 
I was wondering, even if the dashboard is private, can we have some open discussion about the metrics you are using? Perfect. Yeah. As I stated in the beginning, the first thing you're asked is to understand, okay, how many people are out there? So I created my own Grafana dashboard, my scrapers uh, with Python. And the first thing you collect is how many people are out there. And that is a, yeah, uh, a value of a number or a metric that means everything and nothing because Twitter followers, yeah, uh, you have to understand how many people interact actually with your tweets. So it's, it's a big number, but it has a certain weight for me personally. And then I uh, tried for myself to understand what is actually of value. And I tried to, after I learned about the chaos metrics, I tried to figure out, okay, what is really important to me and to the IOTA project. And I'm right now as, uh, or the project itself right now is at a crossroad where we are changing the whole architecture. So the technology itself is using a balanced ternary. So instead of zero and one binary, you have minus one, zero and one. And so we had really big barriers there to get developers on board. And now with November, around October, November, we are switching back to binary. And so we are completely changing the whole underlying architecture. And this means that our community is going to be confronted with breaking changes in all their projects, proof of concept or anything they've done. So for me right now, it was important to find the baseline. So understand, okay, how many contributors we have right now, how, they, how much they contribute to what projects they contribute and to have for next year really palpable or yeah, concrete metrics to understand how these breaking changes influenced the growth or not of our community and the overall health of the community itself. So I think this is a real interesting challenge that we have right now in the community. Well, you were, you were, you were talking about some specific metrics. It comes to my mind, some of the performance related ones, as for instance, the time to merge a pull request, the time to first response, a number of iterations uh, or number of versions that we have for a given pull request or, or patch. So those might be something that you, you, you may need to have a look at to look for those bottlenecks, because then if you dig, it, dig into those data sets, might be, you may find something interesting. I will for sure. I, again, I, yeah, I'm now setting this strategy for next year. So I still have to really dig deep into all the metrics there are because there is so much one can do. And based on your goals, you have first to ask the right questions and then to find the right metric there. But thank you very much for the suggestion. I will absolutely look into that. I'm really interested in understanding when you look at the metrics, are there things that block you from getting certain information? Are there questions that you want to answer and can't answer yet? If we talk about blockers, I mean, this is a tough question. The thing is that we have such a diverse community and an international community that works on so many different channels. And there is so much communication about the, the speculative part of our technology. So the token part, that is something that I should be able to filter out. So if I want to talk about development and project itself, it's really interesting and important for the health and for the growth of the project 
to understand how many developers are out there and how many people are working out there. And for that, Grimoire Lab and Chaos Metrics are well suited. The blockers is when I want to have a, a bigger picture about the sentiment. So what people think of IOTA. And I also thought about using NLP algorithms. I think there's a library called Vader that read the messages and give you a sentiment, positive, negative, or neutral about what is being written in, in your communication channels. I thought about it. I never actually implemented it. But also this kind of, of sentiment of a community. So how people talk about and how that is perceived and how people react. And if there is a news, what is the direction of what kind of, of discussions grow out of it. But I think that's also really difficult to measure by data itself. And I think there is where, as a community manager, you have, again, to wear your hat as a community member at, and just be out there every day and look for yourself and try to, to analyze that data in a more human way. And so this is how I, I see it uh, from my point of view. So but when you say you need to be out in the community and do some social listening, in the Chaos Project, we do have a suggestion. Maybe we can talk about this for a second. In our metrics, we have the social currency metrics system. And if you go in the podcast, it's actually episode number two, where we go into the details of how this system works. But just as a, at a very high level, the idea behind the system is that you're keeping track of what people are saying in the community and you're actually social listening to them and then tagging the different messages and trying to identify what they are talking about and what kind of sentiment that shows about the, the community and about their opinions and their feelings to then be able to aggregate that up into metrics where you can say, okay, I've counted transparency as one of the things you might want to track. How transparent are we as a community or as a foundation in the eyes of our community members? And so every time they talk about how easy it is to find information or whatever, you can say, hey, they're talking about transparency. It's a social currency that they're awarding us. And then you can count your pennies in the end and see if you get uh, to the dollar that you want. I don't know if you have looked at the social currency metric system as a possible way to do this social listening in a more systematic way. I have looked at it and the whole concept around it is actually really good. I was not able to find it as a tool myself. So I have still to understand how practically to use it. I'm, I usually work backwards. So I first use something and then I try to understand how it works and what it means. It's just how my brain works. So I had a look at it and I tried to understand how that could work for me. The thing is, when you have so many channels in so many different languages, it would take so many people to do it in such a way that the metrics actually corresponds to this global community. So for the situation I am in, where I have people talking in Turkish, where I have to take the text and put it in, in a translation tool and reply to them, 
it's a way of looking at it. And I was, of course, as an IT guy, I was trying to find a way to automate it and to scale it as much as possible. We had a Google Summer of Code student implement the social currency metric system in Grimoire Lab. So since you're already using the platform, maybe we can talk more about this after the podcast about how to get this feature. If I might add something to it, I was looking at different projects and how to make open source self-sustainable. Because, of course, the idea is that IOTA is a piece of the puzzle of a bigger project. So when you're doing your tech and you need uh, this protocol to communicate worldwide, yada, yada, you also are probably building open source. And I was also looking into what ways are out there to make it possible for these people to not only use our technology, but also use our experience to find a way to make it self-sustainable. And there are some interesting projects out there that uses the Google PageRank algorithm to track the communication from the Discord platform, from a forum, and from Git, and gives it the possibility to give like kudos to people and grow their reputation in there. So a reputation system where you can really track the discussion where we start to chat about it. Then maybe we start to write a topic on the forum where we write down the whole idea and the whole concept and continue discussing it. And then we start to build it. And all of this is, of course, connected to a cryptocurrency system. So the time that you actually invest, you get some coins out of it and you can then reinvest it into features. And when people build it and it is successful and people like it, then you get again some return of investment in tokens and is a really complex token economic system to make open source projects self-sustainable. And I think this is one way of looking into it. So people that collaborate and contribute to open source are looking for ways to grow their reputation and their credibility in in the open source communities. And if we can find ways not only to measure it, but also to give it a certain, I would now say value, of course, this is something I'm really looking forward to. Because, as I stated before, we are working with the Clips Foundation in working groups with companies. And to be able to bring um, someone from our community that has grown the reputation to contribute to this enterprise project, and they could show off their portfolio or their reputation or their skills, I think this would be, this is actually the next step or the next path I'm working on in my strategy work to understand what tools I can use to support our community members to, to actually grow in, from their hobby and find ways to start cooperating with the industry at an open source level and maybe after that too. Yeah, going back, of course, this social credit or this, this community credit, this is absolutely really important, not only to get information about the community, but Mostly and most importantly, to understand how your work is doing in in open source, how you are actually bringing value to the whole and broader open source community. Well, when you talked at the very beginning, you spoke a lot about the community, and it sounds like a community of people who use IOTA, the 300,000 folks that are on these different channels that you mentioned. So 
It sounds like the community you're managing includes both contributors and consumers. The, the social currency is not confined to one space or the other. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes, I see what you're meaning right there. And of course, this kind of metric is really important, as I said, to understand not only who's contributing, but as you correctly state, also for the users that are using it to evaluate our project per se and to evaluate how healthy the people are how positive the actual attitude of the people is that are working on it and how critical moments and, and down waves of pessimism, let's say, are picked up and worked on by the whole community. So I see what you mean with that. And yes, I think I will absolutely start evaluating uh, as soon as I know how to use it <laughs> to measure these metrics in our project. We're coming to the end of this very awesome episode. I really enjoyed the conversation. Maybe just to round off, what does it mean to you when you talk about a healthy community? All right. Community health is, of course, very subjective for every participant. So I'd say that there are some, it's a baseline where everyone would say, okay, this is a community, a healthy community. For me personally, a healthy community is a community where people feel welcome uh, to join. So they see or they can feel this positive energy. I mean, the contributors are people that are contributing in their free time as, uh, at the beginning. So they are actually looking at your documentation, try to understand your project. So they're using their free time to understand what it is all about. And we have seen now with the whole COVID situation, how free time has become a luxury when you're actually already at home and you're working at your day job and trying to juggle between your work, your maybe your partner's work. And if you have a kid, it's even more interesting how to fit it together. And there is where I've seen how much free time is a luxury. And therefore, if people want to spend and uh, their free time and to contribute Community health is being welcome, seeing how uh, the, the positive energy is there, how pleasant it is and how fruitful it is to actually contribute. So if I go into the community and I pose a question and I get the information out of there and not some snarky remark or the old school RTFM or something, that is a sign of a healthy community. If I see that people are actually using the luxury of their free time to contribute to build this because it's a part of their project or, or they understand how it all fits in the bigger picture of a better world, well, that's a sign of, of a healthy community. But again, from my personal point of view, if I look at it from a more strict community management perspective, well, there are the metrics that actually talk and that give you a really neutral overview about how the thing, the things are. And there you can really, with hard data, understand how members engage in discussions, how active the community is, how actually, actually also the, the issues are solved and the people are working on. And that's something that you can, let's say, look from a more a neutral point of view where I say, okay, here I have hard data and I can understand what happens with the project. And then you can go inside and see uh, for yourself 
if actually the community is what the data says it is. Thank you. For the listeners who are not familiar with RTFM, it stands for read the fine manual. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> But yes, it, it means the, the both. <laughs> so I've heard both, both in different projects. And when you hear RTFM, well, then thank you very much. If I would be able to find what I'm looking for, I would not be here asking. <laughs> yeah. We are at the end of our time. Where can people find you? How can they look you up? They can find me on social media, so mainly Twitter. My handle is Antonio Nardella. They can find me on Telegram, still looking for Antonio Nardella, or look for IOTA groups there, join them and ask around. And of course, on our official Discord server that is available at discord.iota.org, where they will actually get in touch with the IOTA Foundation with all the researchers, developers, and the people building on our project. Excellent. We always like to round off our episodes with value adds or picks, where we share something from our personal life that has brought value and joy to us. This can be something open source related, something metric related. It can be also something completely different, something that you know, just brought value to your life that you would like to share. So I'll start us off. I, we just had Labor Day weekend here in the United States and my husband went uh, camping. And this was the first time since we started fostering that I was alone with a child that we care for. And I just have to say that doing it by yourself is really tough and i really value having a partner to do help raise children together and so i was super happy when my husband came back home yeah that's the value of this last week that i just wanted to share if you have someone that is bring joy uh, to your life just cherish that sean yeah i would say that my pick of the week is stability and consistency. I have a regimen in my life and it has been wildly disrupted by the deconstruction of my garage and the beginning of virtual school. So none of my routines are working <laughs> the last two weeks. I think this, this week so far is better. So routine is my pick of the week. I like routines. For the, the summer, we went out for a walk with our child every morning at six o'clock. And then the day started. Routines are important. Daniel? The more I am working from home and so on, the more I realize that we need to keep talking to people in somehow. I was thinking about this two or three weeks ago. And then I realized how important soft skills are, right? When, when doing this type of things, being able to talk to people, even Antonio being a community manager, which is something that you need for sure. And then for, by chance, I, I just started to read ancient uh, Roman philosophy and I started with Seneca specifically. It's quite interesting because this has been books or stories that were written like 2000 years ago, and they are totally modern stories that you can read nowadays and learn a lot of things. So I definitely, my recommendation of the day is to start with, with just reading materials, which are really, really small books. 70, 80 pages with certain stories. Uh, pretty cool. Thank you, Daniel. 
Antonio, you have the honor of rounding it off. What is your pick of today? My pick of today would be a rejection. I remember, and it was a crucial moment in my life when I was trying to change job, when I have been rejected by a company. So I was turned off by my job offer. I went to the interview. I, I was prepared. I, I felt prepared. I'm in IT now for 20 years, so it was nothing. I would not have done before like six times. And I was rejected. And that was, I think, one of the most important moments of my life because it opened up so many other possibilities because I started becoming independent. I started looking into open source project and I got to know IOTA because of my curiosity and wanting to do more. And actually, I'm, I would say I'm living the dream. I'm, I was able to uh, start with a hobby, that's technology. And um, now I'm working for a foundation that is producing bleeding edge open source software. And we're trying to contribute as much as possible. The, the whole mindset is positive. The, the people I'm working with are incredible. They are never tired. They're always there. And all of this is because of that rejection. So I'm really, really thankful to that person for not giving me that job. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyone who says they're not tired doesn't have children, I think. Uh, my wife is expecting our second one. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you start, you know, you start optimizing and as you have said, routines and you start doing only valuable stuff and valuable for yourself and valuable for your community. So for the people around you, your family. So yeah, but some people uh, are really incredible how they, how they are. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. That, that is, is my awesome. Pick. That is my pick for today. So it is time to say thank you. Thank you, Antonio, for coming on to this podcast and sharing your story with us. Thank you very much for having me and for inviting me. It was a real pleasure to talk with all of you. And thank you for this th tough, uh, also really tough questions. I mean, I'm on my second year, so it's not something I would call myself a veteran of. And so it was really helpful also for me to grow. Also, this specific podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean and Daniel, for serving as our panelists today. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episode topics or even would like to come on as a guest, please email us at podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community.